Right, welcome to another Pro Football Podcast. This is a special Memorial Day podcast. And as I thought about it, who should we have on for Memorial Day? Number one, someone who's memorable and someone I have good <laughs> memories with. And number two, Memorial Day is the kickoff of summer and the kickoff of fun. So good memories and kickoff of summer and fun. So none other then that dude, Marcellus Wiley, welcome to the Pro Football Doc Podcast. My man, Dr. Chow, how's it going, brother? Good. Uh, my first thing is, can you put Marcellus on? Who's that skinny guy right there? Oh, man, I, I, I forget you have never seen me this little because when I got to the no. Chargers, I was 280 uh, my pro day, uh, 270 at the combines. I kept putting on that fake weight because... We needed our DNs to play the run. So uh, I had all that fake weight on me, but now I'm at like 249. So I can play a little linebacker now, bro. Or I know, it's like barely recognize you, dude. <laughs> and, and you're almost down to uh, to your running back weight. Yeah, I wish I had some of that speed still too, but uh, the way my right hip feels and my left shoulder and then my neck, my feet. <laughs> everything's adding up but all good man blessed experience right now well i remember one time you picked up a you had a turnout picked up a fumble and you ran the ball crazy legs and mm. you're like yes sir i was a running back in college i was like ivy league running back oh my <laughs> gosh Hey, Dr. Child, I still remember that play. I think it was Arizona. It was an interception, tipped interception. All I needed is for Junior to block. Come on, Junior. <laughs> Late, great, rest in peace, my man. He didn't throw a block. I didn't think he wanted me to get the shine off that play, so he just wait, let wait, the guy wait. come tackle me. Okay, we got Junior's jersey here. You know how tight we all are, the whole deal. But let me tell you what, what, what Junebug was doing. He was like, uh, buddy, 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 pitch, pitch, pitch. That's, you know that's what he was doing. <laughs> He wasn't throwing a block. He was like, the ball, I can do this. I can take it to the house. Oh, like, you already right. know he went rogue on every single play. And he was actually, he was like jogging, looking at me. I was like, dude, the dude's right there. All you got to do is get away. Touchdown, <laughs> 86. I love it. <laughs> no, yeah, I could. Uh, I still remember it was down the, the far sideline, away on, mm -hmm. away from us, heading mm -hmm. towards the open end of the, of the, uh, of the, the now dirt parking lot. Qualcomm. Yeah, exactly, man. Much love. It was good times, brother. Good, crazy, crazy. And uh, congratulations to you and your oldest daughter. How huh. cool is that? Legacy. Oh, man, it's so great, man. Two Ivy Leaguers obviously holding this podcast down right now, you and myself. But uh, my daughter's going to join. Uh, she's going to Columbia for grad school starting in the fall. And I think the the greatest sense of pride and accomplishment I have is just to watch her on her journey, um, her academic experience, her journey through uh, all of her studies into the real world. And I just saw her continuously pierce through that glass ceiling that she was placing on herself in her own mind of limitation. And uh, she's a good to great student, uh, I think from hello, but she works so hard that she's put herself in a position where she's a great to excellent student. And it's just about her having a narrow focus and uh, having that work ethic. And I saw her grow year in, year out. So I think November, she was telling me that the list of schools she was applying to, and I was like, okay, any more? And she's like, well, and I could kind of hear it, you know, you're a parent. I could hear it. I was like, 
there's a school or two that you're not talking about that you want to. She's like, well, I love New York City, uh, Columbia, obviously. And she started to name a couple other schools. I believe I'm like, apply. And she's like, really? You think I can get in? I was like, well, I know you won't if you don't apply. <laughs> so uh, you, you fast forward. I didn't place the phone call that everyone asked me every single time. Did you call? And I was like, you know what? This has to be merit-based, man. I, I can't open the door because I can't keep it open. She's going to have to put in the work. She's going to be there when I'm not. She's going to have those long study hours. So she did it all herself, man, and I'm just proud of her. Oh, that's awesome. That's that, that's You know, I still remember you're telling me, yeah, and, and in the NFL, and it was only pseudo in the NFL, right? I wasn't playing the whole deal, but but us others had to bond, right? I mean, you know, the, the guys that went to SC or Oklahoma or Alabama or Michigan, they all had others. We the, we had to claim the whole league just to get a couple of us, right? Say <laughs> it, man. Like, they had brothers and fraternities. We just had each other. <laughs> it was like, who else do you look at? It was like us. And then, you know, I would talk to Seth Payne uh, here and there. And uh, we had Jay Feeler. Like, we, I mean, it was just narrow. Ryan Fitzpatrick came kind of towards the end. It's, it was so narrow, man. But... What a unique experience, not taking the yellow brick road to the NFL. I, I'm really blessed in the fact that I had an experience that I wasn't already tired and already beat down by big football. And I saw so many of my teammates because of major college football, they were beat up. Like they were tired. They were like, I don't want to talk to any more reporters. I don't want to sign any more autographs. I don't want to have any more steak and shrimp on these airplanes. And I was like, the hell wrong with y'all? This was amazing to me every single step of the way. So it was a fairy tale experience for me. Well, tell the story about how you even ended up at Columbia. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so my junior year, uh, I was getting recruited to go to different high schools in the eighth grade. So I was a Pop Warner sensation. I could say that Humbly, I say that because I was insane in Pop Warner. Like my best years of my career weren't NFL, weren't even college, weren't high school. They were at the Little League Park. I was from age eight to 14. Man, I'm in somebody's Hall of Fame. For but so you're um, like, you're like, uh, you're like the old school black and white Andy Reid at punt, pass and kick. <laughs> Exactly. And better than him. Even though I saw that film, he looked pretty good. He was huge. But um, so I'm that guy and I'm in L.A., big city and high school after high school. I'd be that kid at the park. I play my game. I get four or five touchdowns. No lie, Doc. Sitting there after the game, shoulder pads off, helmet off, eat my chili cheese Fritos with my jersey on at the park. And coach after coach would come up to me. Hey, Marcellus, what you thinking about next year? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what high school? I was like, I'm going to go to the school I'm going to. I don't know. And I'm getting recruited. Fast forward, I go to Westchester for two years. And uh, I'm still getting recruited to go to other schools. And I noticed that at Westchester, a lot of guys weren't going to major colleges for whatever reason. Uh, we had some gang issues, some off the field issues with some guys. Some guys had bad grades. Uh, some guys just weren't thinking that far ahead. And there were some reports that we weren't just getting recruited because uh, the coaching staff wasn't pushing enough players and promoting it, whatever. So I just look up, I'm a junior and I'm like, eh, maybe I don't want to go down with this sinking ship. So let me transfer and listen to one of these coaches that's recruiting me. I switched schools, go to Monica's. And um, I remember seeing one of our coaches, 
Uh, and he had on the Columbia uh, shorts. He had on Columbia shorts. And I've never seen Columbia not only spelled like that, but with that color. And I was like, what is that? And he was like, oh, that's where I went to school. It's the worst college football program in the country. Don't go. So that piqued my interest. That intrigued me. And the next year, I'm getting letters from all these schools to go and recruit it. And one of them was Columbia. So I just opened it up and I started to learn about the Ivy League experience and the H and A and how it would be a tremendous safety net, no matter how football turned out, that I would have this academic support and reputation and excellence on my resume. So you go to New York City for two days, doc, and they tell you that uh, no matter where you go, if you graduate from Columbia, everyone would think you're smart. I was sold from day one. Hmm. Always, you know, that's the one thing that I always saw about you when we were talking and, and whatever, that you looked at things differently, right? I mean, <laughs> the education aspect and look at what you've done with your post-career, uh, arguably, you know, super expansive and the whole deal. And, and you always have that. And, and I want people to know this about you. The difference. Okay, we talked about June Bug. We talked. Uh, a lot of players are great. June's awesome for mm. the whole deal. Mm. But there are a lot of good people out there. And the one thing that I always remembered about you: not only do you look at things differently related to Columbia and your career and what you're doing, and I'm very proud of you related to your family stuff right now because I'm in the thick of it too right now. But yes. I remember one of the best memories is I remember walking. You already had this big post career media gig at ESPN. And we're walking through the Staples Center Plaza, whatever, LA Live Plaza. And a lot of athletes do a great job of when they get stopped, that they give back to a kid and do that. And, and you know, hats off to them because sometimes it's not convenient. The thing that I always remember about you is you would stop kids and you wouldn't say, I'm Marcellus Wiley, do you know me? It was, you stop kids and dap them up and and like be genuine with them. Some of the kids figured out who you were. Some of them have no idea who you were. You were just like <laughs> a big guy that was saying hello to them. And and I thought that was really unique that you were, and you weren't saying, hey, look at me, do you want my autograph? You were just like, hey, I wanna be encouraging people. And, and that's something I really haven't seen in a lot of athletes, especially with your stature and especially even post-career. So kudos on that. Man, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I think whew, about me is just I remember that fork in the road and how many times I found myself at that fork in the road where things could have went right for me and things could have went left for me and things could have went wrong for me. And because I'm mindful of those moments, uh, I don't think I have any superpowers except maybe one. In my tool belt, I can feel day one energy, emotion, gratitude about any situation. Uh, my wife tells me this about our kids. Like I literally every day act like kids are just born. You know, as they get older and older, you know, you're trying to socialize them and prepare them for adulthood. Uh, you start to regard them in different ways. Like every day my kids are coming home from the hospital and I'm so pumped. And I think that's what you witnessed is uh, that energy that I just don't lose sight of day one because it was so clear in, in my experience growing up that this may be your reality. I saw too many people with more talent, 
more intelligence, more everything, more personality than myself, not make it. And so I think that's my way of saying thanks uh, to the world, to the universe, to God, to the upstairs that, man, I'm glad I'm here and I'm going to always cherish it. Well, there's no question that I know that if I asked your wife, and I know uh, Kim and Anna Marie, Marie talk a bunch, probably more than you and I do, just busy life and what have you, that, yeah. if, that uh, if, if Kim asked her, who's the biggest kid in your household, it'd be you. <laughs> Facts, not even a question. And the second is my son, like a distant second. You're right. I saw your son playing soccer there and so forth. I mean, I, dude, he's getting big. Doc, okay, let me break this down real quick because I'm not that dad, thankfully, because I didn't have that father, my father, Charles Vernon Wiley, who puts pressure on a kid. My dad never pressured me to do anything. He only told me to stay committed. So if I sign my name on the line, I'm playing football this year, I'm running track this year, I'm playing basketball. All he said is don't quit and try your hardest. That was it. My dad would just sit there quietly with a camcorder. I'm on my fifth touchdown, my 12th sack. He's just staring like, and every other parent is like, oh my God, that kid have one play, five yard run. And they're, oh my God, he's going pro. And my dad's just sitting there quietly and I'm actually playing that well. And I think I'm borrowing from my father. I just sit there and watch my son, but doc, my son got something. I don't know what it is, but this big joker got some speed and some tenacity. I, I think even more so than I even can remember being that young as well, but, but he's not the one. Just be on the lookout for my two-year-old. I don't, I call her, <laughs> my two-year-old, my daughter, Araya, is a mix between Serena and Layla Ali. And I don't know what's going to come from that and what sport it's going to be, but she's going to be the biggest, fastest, strongest lady at whatever she wants to do. Maybe tennis. Well, like, like, like mom and dad. Well, you know, we have a lot of similarities and things and I'm going to show you this video because, uh, because uh -oh. I'm proud of it, but it reminded me of, uh, when, uh, okay. So you had this video of your, there's your daughter at Columbia. That's yes. so awesome. So happy for you. We can get back to LeBron, but I want to, okay. There's your son, right? He's. Yeah. Go get it, my son. Go get it. Go get it, man. There she is. There she is. All right. So here we go. So, so I, I don't know if you saw it, but I had to like throw in my, you know, proud of my son. And this is, uh, this is his, uh, big video when he was young. Oh, nice. Let me see. Look at that hair flow. <laughs> uh, hey, Doc, he could be a team doctor. If he <laughs> oh, look, he finished. He finished. <laughs> oh, come on, persevere. There he he finished. All right, there you go, little man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's got to overcome my bad genes, right? I mean, now, now you realize Kim yelled at me and said, why did you not go out and help him? Why did you just keep filming? Right. And I said, a, because it was cute. B, pro football doc. I knew he wasn't hurt. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm up here working right now. I can tell his ACL's fine. I can like, tell he's fine. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that was that was a few years back. But that soccer video I saw of yours uh, reminded me. And uh, he's eight now. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of him, too. I mean, he, A, he finally yeah. got a haircut because mom finally said... <laughs> 
Okay. Hey, he looked like one of them Beatles out there. I'm like, little man got a, he need a guitar. I think, I think mom thought it was Samson, you know, like you can't cut his hair and lose his cute powers or something, but he probably got a haircut and, uh, he made it, he made an all-star team uh, for baseball. So just now, so that's the good news. The bad news is his coach is very questionable. Uh, that's tough, man. Um, and part of why you know, his coaches. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I thought you were for real. That's the problem. You're gonna you get some bad coaching. Coach, <laughs> you can coach. You're patient enough. You know the game. Don't do that. Uh, you're probably yeah. a little too invested, but you know the game. I know that. <laughs> uh, all, all good. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun seeing you with your family. Okay, so your Clippers. They're gonna make it. Make it to game three. Yeah, we're gonna be in Dallas. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> win this series. Woo, we on life support right now. Uh, Luca, man, he is just looking at Patrick Beverly, one of our best defenders, and Reggie Jackson is like, come here, come take some of these buckets. And he's just backing them down. Now, we know we're getting points from Kawhi. We're getting points from Paul George. They're playing well, well enough for us to win. It's just there's a mismatch. There's a matchup issue when we switch off in any picks. And Luca is going to be guarded by Patrick Beverly or Reggie Jackson. We got to have him on a court. So we have to figure that out. I think we have to just come out with a power game. Bigs. We're Boogie Cousins. I don't know how good you are, how much two page left in that tube, but we need your presence. We need to pack the paint. Zubach is good, but not enough. We need to make sure that Luca has to stay out there and hit them 35 footers. Him and Tim Hardaway Jr. is out of control right now. I mean, he's balling more so than ever. So I think we got a shot. We just need we need our guys to step up in terms of leadership, Kawhi especially. I know I love that lead by example, quiet type, but it's time to get in somebody's face. And we also need somebody to stop and guard Luca because damn, he's torching us. Now, speaking of guarding Luca, I got a question for you. And and, and uh, I know your partner a little bit, Acho. Mm. Is 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 he disrespecting you or is he afraid of you? The fact that he would bet you about Luca's points when you said Kawhi's going to shut him down. And the bet was 20 push-ups? <laughs> is he afraid of you or is he, you know, disrespecting you that you can't do more than 20? Let me add one more. I think he was protecting me because when we first got together, I was like 295. And I think he still is haunted by the fat memory. So he's like, man, I ain't gonna put my, my co-host out there like that. So he knows I'm smaller now. I lost like 40, 50 pounds in the last few months. But he's like, I don't know. That's just, you know, fewer calories or is he really hitting the weight room too? Man, I hit them 20 push-ups like they were five. I'm ready. So I now know. that's why I was like, what? I was like, Acho, come on. You're supposed to be on the edge of things. That's like, you took the easy road there. You got to tell him that for me. Like, come well, on, I, I must have, because now we got to, our next bet is if we lose, I got 40. So it's starting to ramp up fast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a little more, a little more of a challenge. So, uh, hey. So uh, tell me about the NFL and, you know, your pick, whether it's the, the silly OTA controversies, whether everyone should get vaccinated, 17 games. What's your hot button NFL issue now? Um, well, you know, I don't care about OTAs. I never have, never will. And it's not because I'm lazy. I hate when people say, oh, you just didn't want to go to practice. I was like, nah, 
When I came into the NFL, there was no such thing as an OTA. And we still had Super Bowl champions. <laughs> we still had playoff teams. We still had all pros, pro bowlers, Hall of Famers, like all this stuff. You know, I, I hate that because I think it's just a lot of busy work. You know, our coaches always say, I'm first in, last out. That's just so when the owner lands off his G5, he's like, have you been working? Because right now I don't see the results. We're two and six. So they got to check that box to make sure that they seem like they're working. So they pass that baton down to the players to make us seem like we're working. When I hate it when I had to go to the facilities and the organization for my workouts when I'm a professional, but to become a professional, I did it all on my own. I know my guy. I know my, my team. I know where I, I needed to go to Dorsey High School, run on the track like I did when I was in high school, like I was in college. But also you get to the NFL, and I'm not trying to slight the strength and conditioning coaches, but you don't know me like I know me or my team knows me. So what gets lost is of like an objective measure. What you do at the combine should be a new baseline. But you get to teams and you get to a different team and you switch teams and everyone has their customized program for you. And I'm like, I got the best program. It's the one that got me here, damn it. So what's going to get me there got me here. But they don't think of it that way in the NFL. So they pay us to be there in the offseason. And every year you still see guys get injured. Every year you see the roller coaster of performance up and down. And every year to me, it's the same old stuff. And I'd say two things to that. Number one, you're right. It's definitely about customized care. Like there were times when coaches would say, hey, are the guys tired? Should you practice more, more pads, less pads? Depends on the guy, right? I mean, the veteran guy needs off. The rookie needs more hitting. You can't, you have to customize it. And to your point, there's no better customization than yourself. But here's the difference. You're driven. Not everyone <laughs> is driven, right? That's so... It's like, it's like public school. Are you teaching for the highs? And those? No, you're teaching for the masses, right? And right. so that's why they, they want to have you there. And to your point, I always, always laugh at this. Did this ever, you ever have a coach that did this? When I was in Minnesota with the Vikings, there was a coach, because it was cold, right? He'd come in and he'd take off his jacket and the coat hanger in his office was within view of the hallway and everybody. And he put that coat up there and the light would be on and that coat wouldn't leave. Meanwhile, he had another coat that he wore <laughs> home. And the next day he'd come in with a new coat yeah. and then then switch the yeah, old coat. Yeah. I mean, literally just back and forth, back and forth. And that was the way that he was somewhere in the building doing something. First in, last out, the light always stayed on kind of thing. I imagine, you know, in San Diego, there weren't the coats, but in uh, Buffalo, you probably had a guy like that too. Yeah, man, it's crazy. They just in there babysitting the walls. It's like, I got to be here at 530 in the morning. I'm like, are you working? Are you working smarter or are you just working harder or are you just doing it for the optics? To your point, Doc, about it being customized, um, in my years of when my first seven years were like me climbing and getting good, getting great, all that. And you know this because I broke my foot week one of year one with the Chargers. I did not practice one time that entire year, Doc, and I made the Pro Bowl on one foot with no practice. 
You come back a couple years later where I'm supposed to be fully healthy, but I got a new coach, rest in peace, Marty Schottenheimer, and we're playing together and I'm practicing all the time, doing Oklahoma drills, everything. Yes, sir. No, sir. Man, I started to suck. <laughs> it just was like, I wish, I wish my regret is I didn't flex like I should have flexed. I should have been like, no, nah, I know what's good for me. And I guess the regret that I saw from the coaching staff is that they didn't necessarily know what every player fully needed. And we're all learning on the fly. I get it. It's a lot. There are 53 guys. How can we always listen to just one? And like you said, I may be the one that doesn't need all this work, but someone else does. So do you coach for the masses or do you coach for your good players? So it was always kind of weird to experience it. Well, you've been always very kind with that thing. You were the big free agent signing and you got hurt and then you made the Pro Bowl. And certainly um, you've been very nice and thank me and so forth. But I have to thank you because if you don't think there was a few four-letter words said hurt, it was almost like, like you cleared them on a physical. I'm like, you signed them. You cleared them on a physical. Why do you, how do you know? I mean, how am I supposed to know you're going to get hurt? And the fact that you played through and made the Pro Bowl, uh, you know, made me look a lot better. So I have to uh, thank you for for that portion, you know, uh, on, on your uh, foot uh, fracture. There. Man, I'm so mad at you for just doing such a great job that I even thought I could do it when, no lie, if I had to do it all over again, because I had all the leverage, I just got paid. They weren't going to cut me. I had no pressure other than the pressure to live up to the money, which I could have did in year two. I wouldn't have played. But I, it was a, it was my best year, maybe second best year for sure. But damn, compensation, Doc, everything started to fall apart after that but year. Look, I told everybody, like, look, you played so quickly from that Jones fracture, like, I know you were compensating. I wasn't saying, oh, look at my surgery. You're hundred percent. I was like, you're balling. You're making it work. There's no way you were hundred percent there. And you were just trying to play through. I, I understand that. And yeah. you made it work. I mean, you had a great year. I mean, uh, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and things are uh, different now. I think there's more players that, you know, I got paid and so it's not that important or this, that, the other, but it is what it is to each his own. I'm not being critical. I mean, I don't know what I would do in that situation and uh, it, it is what it is. And uh, it's different, you know, now I think yeah. um, before there was more, now it's more uh, mercenary and different things. And, and I don't <laughs> hate on anybody. Like the money's gotten so big. Yeah. I, I understand it. And if I were ever lucky enough to be in that position, I might treat things differently too, as opposed to just doing what's right and what you felt like uh, was right for, for what happened. So I, I get it. No, no hate there. I should have red shirt, damn it. That's what I should have did. That's a gray shirt, whatever color shirt. I should have put a shirt on and just kick back. But you know, you don't want green to shirt because you already got the green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just tired. Of, you know, you, it's almost like you're playing the story out in your head before you even live it. I'm like, I do not want all of San Diego and the entire NFL think I just took the money and chilled. So you're like, nah, I had this much of a chance in my mind post-surgery to play. And I made that this because I just wanted to live up to that pressure. And looking back, look, if my son is ever in this position, trust me, he's going to hear the advice from daddy of, 
relax. You can play when you can play. That's what you need to do instead of going out there and trying to be a warrior. Well, uh, well, I'll, I'll say it publicly here. I'll thank you because you made me look like a better surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> then you did my shoulder. Then you did my Achilles. Then you, <laughs> you just yeah. kept going. <laughs> and, and, and then part of it also, I know how loyal you are because John Butler brought you in. Oh. And you were like, yeah, hey, I don't want to let the man down. Man, there's so many things. People, I hope the NFL history doesn't forget about how great not only a general manager he was, but of of leader he was like, God, that John Butler passing away at the year one, it, it's nowhere near Mike Tyson and custom model, but that, that was my guy. He told me exactly how I was playing every single week, all the way through that charger year. And when he went away and AJ Smith took over, AJ's quiet. AJ's going to just look at you. You can go and have 12 sacks and have no tackles. And that's the same game to AJ in terms of facial expression. <laughs> like, I don't know how to get a read on him. So, yeah, I kind of lost my way once John passed away as well. Well, you know, I, I mean, uh, John, God bless his soul. I mean, I like AJ. Uh, we have a relationship. But, like, John was one of the guys. I think I can tell this story. It's, it's not a bad story. He was probably the GM that was the hardest on me. I remember mm. John coming in and I'd say, okay, here we go. I, I know it's preseason and we're here and, and I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, but I think we're better off scoping this guy's ankle right now. He'll be back in uh, two weeks and that way we can contain it and whatever. And he looks at me and he goes, why so long? <laughs> why so long? <laughs> whatever. I mean, I'm, just, I'm not trying to lie to you. And, and, and all the time he would say stuff like to me, well, the doctor in Buffalo would have him back in a week, <laughs> right? And so I remember we played Buffalo, and I still remember John Marzo, good guy, doctor, mm -hmm. you know, for the, for the yeah, yeah. And you know, we'd meet at you know on the field before the game, you know, fifty yard line, and he would, he walked up to me, and I just kind of looked down at his feet, and he's like, he looked at his feet, and said, "My shoes untied. What's going on?" I said, no, I'm just trying to see if it's true. He goes, what's true? I said, according to the GM that we now have, you walk on water. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, look, I told the story. And, and he looked at me and he said, are you kidding me? He gave me so much grief all the time. <laughs> Man, and, uh, that's how he's his way of like, and, and then I get it. If Tough he love. pushes you and you fold, then you're not don't have conviction of what you're saying. He pushes yeah. you to stand firm. I think he respected you. So I had no pro problem with Big John, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, man. That's oh, him. Oh, tough love, up. brother. He, he was tough he love. Pushed. Yeah. Yeah. He pushed the hell out of you no matter what, man. He liked his steaks not well done. Burnt. He just wanted to <laughs> <laughs> He was like, look, it's coming tough. I love that dude. <laughs> but yeah, but that's his job, right? I mean, he's trying to get the most out of everybody. So I, I get that. I got no hard feelings about, about Big John there. Anyways, Marcellus, thank you very much. I, you know, we're over time on the 15 to 20 minutes. Always fun to chat with <laughs> you and catch up. When you got in San, Di San Diego, you got little ones I haven't even seen yet. I know it's opening up finally. So yeah, this summer, I look forward to coming down there. 
get the family together again, man. Well, uh, you know, cool. let, let's let's let our social directors out. You're watching to talk to Maya. It'll be all right. All right, buddy. All right. I'll I meet you in Vegas. We'll plan it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I like that. I like that. I like that. All right, buddy. Thank you for joining us. Pro Football Doc Podcast. We'll be back for a complete rundown of what happened here and all the topics of the day. But we'll let Mar Marcellus go now. And thank you. And uh, all right, welcome to the second half, part two, Pro Football Doc Podcast, Memorial Day Podcast. Part one was with Marcellus Wiley as our guest. We went a little long, so we won't go too long here, but still one had some issues to discuss, et cetera. Memorial Day, just got back from a La Jolla Youth Baseball All-Star Practice, where somehow I got uh, volunteered to coach, happy to do it. Uh, probably more for my organizational skills than true baseball skills. Thrilled that my son is on the team and uh, to help uh, kids and sports. But let's talk about some injury things here, profootballdoc.com. And really in this offseason, we've branched a lot to the offseason. So we're going to talk a lot about basketball. We'll do a what happened here video. We'll cover some baseball. But before we do that, let's talk football and with football here, the uh, main thing, of course, is, uh, let me find it here, um, football, the vaccine carrot. We've talked about it. Here's now details of it. Dan Graziano talked about it. Fully vaccinated, no daily testing, no mask required, no quarantine after exposure. Um, Fully, not fully vaccinated, daily testing, mask wear, physical distancing, quarantine after exposure, et cetera. Pretty significant, really, really pretty significant. This, I actually talked to some friends over the weekend here that are with teams and yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, educational pressure to get players and coaches and staff vaccinated. I think pretty much all coaches and staff will be vaccinated because how can you do your job if you can't have contact with players? And look, the you know if you're the star quarterback of a team, you probably can hold out. But even then, with some leadership, you get additional freedoms if 85% of the team is vaccinated. And this is why I said all along, right, wrong, and different. They cannot force you to put a needle in your body but they can make it easier and more enticing to do so. And in the end, uh, mask wear is one thing, social distancing is another, but the fact that you do not have to quarantine after an exposure if you're vaccinated will be huge, uh, be it for regular season for NFL football, and the same for baseball, basketball. Baseball, you know, uh, if you're not vaccinated and there's an exposure, and let's say it's pennant chase time or playoff time, there's a mandatory sit period that you can avoid. So that is a huge advantage for players and teams that have people who are vaccinated. And that's the vaccine carrot that uh, we have been talking about. So let's talk a little more about some football things here. News this week, uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, will miss uh, OTAs and start a train camp. If you want to go to this uh, Pro YouTube Football video Don. here. Here with the news. 
uh, YouTube videos. We're putting up a bunch of videos. We're integrated at the site. Please uh, subscribe. I'm not worried about it in this video. We talk about I'm not worried about Saquon not practicing at OTAs. I think he's going to make a strong recovery, even though it was an ACL MCL. Um, but anyways, that's some of the news that's out there. Check out the video there. Um, Sean Merriman, lights out, asked me to confirm this. Well, asked me by Twitter. Uh, this play was on a PCL and L there. Yes, AFC Championship game against the Patriots there. I can verify. Look, I honestly think that uh, his career is derailed by his PCL and LCL injury, major surgery. And we've actually, if you go back to the Sean Merriman uh, uh, podcast where he was on, I, I verify that. But I thought of some pretty funny exchanges. Uh, SP, the other side of the uh, lights out equation, uh, wouldn't be the first time he sold a sack for me. <laughs> Hate it when I one step away. And he did. Look, he gets there a split second and here comes SP. And Merriman gets the the, the sack. Um, talk about that uh, in in this video and link here. How we had a lot of people injured that game. No excuses. Not making excuses. But uh, from Sean Merriman to LT to uh, Gates uh, to Lorenzo Neal to Nick Hardwick coming off of surgery. A lot of people. Uh, and not to mention, of course, Philip Rivers, who played six days after an e-scope. Would things have been different? Who knows? Who knows? All right, let's move on to the topic of the moment. A lot of basketball injuries out there. And uh, look, I've actually, I actually do have basketball experience. It's just I have NBA experience. It's just not as vast as my football experience. So I kind of, you know, rightfully downplay it. I spent some time in Chicago um, as a junior physician uh, with the Bulls and related things. Uh, although, and then uh, I played a larger role with the Timberwolves uh, in Minneapolis. But uh, yeah, NBA experience, but not to the level that I have in the NFL. Actually, come to think of it, since we've got so many basketball issues, Maybe this next week, a great person to have on is uh, John Heffron, someone I worked with in, when I was a resident. He was the longtime Chicago Bulls doctor uh, in the Michael Jordan era, including the Michael Jordan era. He was in the last dance. So maybe that'll be a fun interview to talk to him on the Pro Football Doc podcast, especially since we talk so much basketball stuff now. And let's go to some basketball things right now. Um, basketball, Chris Paul, CP3, initially said to be a shoulder contusion, then said, you know, some people speculated Stinger, but I don't think Stinger, if you look at this picture, this is kinesio tape, cake tape for a shoulder injury, not Stinger. He had a previous AC joint separation. I'm not sure that's what it is. I think it's a shoulder subluxation. Game one, he left and was a little iffy. Game two, 23 minutes, six points. Game three, 27 minutes, only seven points. Game four, a rebound for uh, CP3. So I think that shoulder hopefully is calming down. And uh, But that certainly is a lingering factor with the shoulder subluxation. Uh, obviously comparing him. And part of the reason is Anthony Davis 
Anthony Davis left the game with a groin strain and the Lakers lost to the Suns with Chris Paul's resurgence. But also, I'm not sure Anthony Davis is going to play unless that his removal from that game was strategic and very precautionary. I don't see Anthony Davis playing this next game and his absence could last even longer than that. But let's talk about Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic's injury, he has a similar K-tape, but much different type, right? This is more shoulder-based. This is more neck and trap-based. Uh, there was a report unverified that it is indeed a cervical disc herniation and a nerve issue with the disc pressing on the nerve. And that's what I worried about all along with uh, Luca. This is a wrap to keep the spasm down and heat it up. We talked about it in OutKick before this game, that this could linger throughout the series here for the uh, Mavericks. We looked at best and worst case scenarios. And in here, I summarized uh, and uh, hypothesized that it was a cervical strain uh, rather than cervical strain. But the issue really is a radiation radicular neck issue where it goes down the arm and the weird feeling that he has. And that does not go away overnight. Chris Paul's shoulder subluxation is more likely to go away than Luka Doncic's neck issue with the nerve issue. I don't think Luka Doncic is a stinger. I think it's a herniated disc pressing on a nerve. At least that's my theory. Once again, inside knowledge, but never insider information. So I can't confirm it firsthand. Um, we talked about Anthony Davis a little bit here. And then uh, let's move on to uh, some baseball and other things as we'll keep this segment, like I said, for Memorial Day relatively short here. Baseball. Um, got tweeted at this, and I think it's a good educational point. Here's a college kid. Um, oh, and this is my son. This is the video from earlier. Proud of him. I guess we can analyze this video. It was a Charlie Brown Lucy moment, but there was no Lucy. No concussion. Gets up. Finishes the play. Obviously, that was when he was quite young there. Uh, he was two or th almost three, I guess. Uh, here you go. Uh, this is a kid that apparently has hit a bunch of home runs with a torn ACL. You can see the brace on his leg. Uh, Three home runs, seven RBIs since returning and uh, with a torn ACL. You can see the hitch in his gate there. The only reason I show that is congratulations to Tim Elko, old Miss, old Miss. But here's the thing. You don't need an ACL to hit a baseball. Uh, you need it to be dynamic and run, jump, and play. But straight line running or even rounding the bases, you don't need an ACL. There are certain activities in sports that are ACL dependent. Hitting a baseball is not ACL dependent. No surprise there. Going back to that AFC championship game, a quarterback, if it were LT with the ACL injury uh, instead of Phillip Rivers, he wouldn't have been able to play. But Phillip Rivers was able to. So there is a little bit of that going on. All right, let's move on a little bit here. And a video of... 
the week. What happened here? Love this video because, uh, whoops, let me get back to find it. Sorry, guys. Uh, here is the video of, I can find it. Lost my cursor here. Oh, we got the dog here. All right. So I'm distracted by Cosmo, the dog. Oh, all right, doggy. Okay. Yes, Davis. All right. You want to come in and join us here, Davis? Yeah. There's my boy, Davis, on the podcast from home. And Davis, who is your favorite player? Tatis. Yes, it is. Oh, where's my cursor? Oh, my cursor went. Usually if you do the three fingers straight up, it should bring your cursor back. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. All right. So here we have our dog. We have Davis here, but here's your favorite player, Tatis. Check out this. This is something out of the Matrix movie. I mean, the amount of athleticism it takes to move his leg and body and hip and do the splits and not get broken in two is amazing, huh, Davis? Mm -hmm. What number are you, Davis? 23. For who? La Jolla? For what? All-Stars. All, All right, so he's Tatis there. But I think this, I can't say enough about this video here. I can't say enough about this video here. And uh, let me stop the screen share here. And, and Davis, now everyone can see La Jolla Youth Baseball All-Stars, number 23, Tatis. <laughs> Any case, um, the reason why I show that video for Tatis is that's an amazing amount of uh, flexibility, agility, reaction time, and athleticism. And this is why he's like a highlight player right now. But this also has something to do with his shoulder and why he's able to play through. He's not a tight guy with a big labral tear because he's so flexible. He's a very flexible, loosey-goosey guy. You see that in the video. And his shoulder is more prone to instability. I mean, there's some people that can literally bend their thumb and touch their forearm. I can't. Kids can more than, than me. You're not that flexible either, Davis. Now here. Yeah, you're fairly flexible there, Davis. But let's see here. You're, you're, you're going to be like dad. You're not that flexible. Uh, but Tatis is different. His collagen is looser, which is what makes him the great athlete that he is, his increased range of motion, but puts his shoulder at risk. So far, he's doing great from his comeback, but undoubtedly, he still has a labral tear and will need surgery. But go Padres, huh? They're in first place. They're doing very well. But they are. Yeah, they're doing very well. All right, guys, that, that'll do it for the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Thanks to Marcellus Wiley, that dude, for coming on part one. Thanks to Davis for coming on part two. Cosmo, you want to say hello to everybody? Come here, Cosy. Come here, Cosy. Okay. And Cosmo, our chocolate Aussie Labradoodle toy. And one more.
Oh, and another one who's not taking a nap. Uh, basically, it's a free for all in the home studio today on Memorial Day. Come here, Debbie. Oh, what, Debbie, what happened to your nap? No? Okay. Wanna say bye bye? Okay. All right. That's it for the ProFootball.podcast. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye bye.